Welcome to Cuzword Nerds, the podcast that covers trends and releases in comics, movies, video games, board games, and much more. I'm your host, Caleb, and with me is my brother, Jacob. Hey, everybody. In preparation for Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, we're taking a look back at the first two installments in the trilogy. Today, we're focusing on The Force Awakens. Being the first Disney-released Star Wars film, did it carry the torch? Or did it extinguish the flame in the hearts of fans worldwide? Find out on this week's episode of Cuz We're Nerds. Jacob, I feel that we are in the heart of Star Wars fever right now. Oh, we are in the midst of an overflow of Star Wars. I want to say memorabilia, but that that's not the right word. Stuff. It's just stuff is stuff. the technical term. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Between the Mandalorian Jedi Fallen Order and The Rise of Skywalker, I think this might be the most new Star Wars stuff I've ever experienced at one time. And you cannot see, I mean, you cannot go on social media without seeing memes about The Mandalorian. I mean, it's everywhere. So no matter where you turn, there's something Star Wars affiliated. That's right, which is strange considering that Star Wars is a franchise of waiting. Hmm, what do you mean? All right. So let's do a little history lesson. Star Wars, the original... History lesson with woo. Jacob and Caleb. Mostly just Caleb, though. Yeah. <laughs> Star Wars originally came out back in the 70s, as most people know, concluding with Return of the Jedi in 1983. And then, for the most part, it went silent. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of Star Wars in the world for just about 16 years. Until 99, when they finally brought it back with the prequels, uh, with the Phantom Menace, of course. Now, the prequels lasted for six years, Revenge of the Sith concluding in 2005. At that point, there were no more Star Wars movies, except for The Clone Wars, which was a really bad animated movie. And we had to wait once again. Until finally Disney bought it, and we got The Force Awakens in 2015. So that's a 10-year gap. So our first gap was 16 years. Our next gap was 10 years. So that is why Star Wars is a franchise of waiting, because we get three movies and we wait around for 10 or so years until we get the next ones. Well, everybody knows it's kind of like Thanksgiving, right? Star Wars takes three movies, and that's like eating during Thanksgiving. And then it has to hibernate because it's so full, you know? So it takes some time. But slowly, it's starting to gain you know, it's it's movement. So we went from 16 years to 10 years. So after this trilogy is done, honestly, we should only have to wait four years. <laughs> well, the difference this time, I think, is going to be we're not going to have maybe the movies like we've had before, but there's going to be other stuff going on. I think with the advent of Disney+, Plus with uh, the Mandalorian and the Cassian Andor series that they're trying to do on there, we're going to have Star Wars stuff, even if it's not in the theaters. And I am more than okay with that. All right, so jumping right in, we did get The Force Awakens in 2015, and I want to talk a little bit about that gap between Revenge of the Sith and The Force Awakens, if you don't mind. Okay, okay. So Revenge of the Sith came out in 2005. In 2012, it was announced that Lucasfilm was going to be sold to Disney 
which included obviously all the Star Wars stuff and I believe the Indiana Jones stuff as well. And that we would be getting a new trilogy of films. Now, this was pretty unprecedented at the time because we had only gotten movies in Star Wars that George Lucas was working on, whether he wrote them, directed them, had input on them. You know, it was all kind of under George Lucas's realm of thought. And this was the first time that we were going to be going outside of that. There was a lot of trepidation. There was some excitement, but it was Disney. There was a lot of trepidation. This hadn't really been done before. The closest thing that had kind of been done was Disney purchasing Marvel, but Kevin Feige was still over all the Marvel stuff. So we hadn't really seen a shift of this scale in any franchise of this size, I think, ever. That True, true. Now, it, it's also not only was unprecedented for that, but there was also a lot of changes made canon-wise, right? Yes. So pretty soon after Disney purchased Lucasfilm, they said, all right, guys, all that expanded universe stuff, your books, your um, audio books, your whatever else is in the expanded universe, we're going to take all that and uh, basically throw it in the trash. We're going to get rid of that so that we have more room to play with stuff, because a lot of that expanded universe stuff was stuff that happens after Revenge, not Revenge of the Sith, that happens um, after Return of the Jedi, after Episode Six. So if they were beholden to those, there was a lot of things that they couldn't touch on, uh, well, at least without retreading, because it had already been touched on in those books. And this is something that's kind of hard, because, you know, you have, you know, 30, 40 years of Star Wars... Uh, you know, what's the word? Star Wars stories going on, whether it be in the movies or the comics or novels or whatever it may be. And especially for diehard Star Wars fans, they've been following um, a certain way of these stories going. And then whenever they came in, Disney said, you know, like you just said, yeah, we're scrapping a lot of that. That's kind of hard to do, you know, and that's that's kind of a big move. And that's partially what we're going to talk about is, you know, over uh, Force Awakens and then, oh my goodness, my mind is blinking. He hated it so much, he wiped it from his memory base. My mind is blinking. The Last Jedi. Thank you. Um, you know, if it works, you know, if if it come, if it was worth scrapping everything to do this new trilogy. So today we're jumping into The Force Awakens. And, you know, it's funny. <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy actually came under fire a little bit very, very recently, like in the past month or so, because she had a quote talking about how these movies differ from, say, like a Marvel film, where Marvel, they have years and years and years and years of stories, and they can kind of just adapt those into a movie, whereas with Star Wars, you're starting from scratch, there's nothing to adapt from. And understandably, fans were like, uh, wait a minute, there were years of stories, and you got rid of them, and that was kind of funny. But I, I think what she was actually trying to say is that for what they're doing currently, you know, it, it's it's tougher I think her statements were a little bit misplaced, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, that happened. Yeah. Um, all right. Kathleen Kennedy, by the way, for those of you that do not know, is the person that is over Star Wars at the moment. She's responsible for all of the new movies since uh, Disney purchased Lucasfilm. What? Jo in George Lucas isn't doing it anymore? What? Did I say since George Lucas purchased... No. Okay. Good. I was just giving a hard time. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, George Lucas sometimes is still around, but he really has no say on yeah. what goes on here. 
All right, so when they announced that they were going to do a new Star Wars film, of course, the thing that was on everybody's mind is who is going to direct it? Because when it comes to the prequels, George Lucas directed all three of those, which he did not do for the originals. And, you know, some people hated the prequels. Most people hated the prequels. Some people liked them. And so who were they going to get for it? And, you know, when you look out over the swath of directors that were available at the time, mm, there was can you one define swath, please. Swath? Yes. Much of. The, mm. the, the abundance of directors. Okay, okay. The, the plethora, you might say? Plethora. CC. Okay, okay. Continue, continue. Uh, there was one that kind of stood out for his work in a similar series. Obviously, this man being J.J. Abrams. Mm, the man himself. Now, what's kind of funny is this guy came in and rebooted, kind of, sort of. Jacob, by the way, you're kind of making a lot of noise over there, so... I'm not doing anything. It sounds like you're sliding what paper you around, leaning in chairs, making all this, kinds of racket. This chair is kind of squeaky. I apologize. I need a new chair. I'm nearly barely moving, but my, you could be hearing my fan. Now I hear your fan. Yeah, but that'll come out in editing. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, he, of course, came in and rebooted Star Trek, and that had much, much success. And then he did a sequel, which had less success. Uh, but it was really interesting to me at the time, because you've got this guy, you've got these two really big competing realms, right? You've got the Star Trek people, you've got the Star Wars people. Generally, those people don't cross over. Now, I think it's a little bit more amicable than it has been in the past. But for a long time, those were very opposed uh, fandoms because Star Trek, obviously, more being in science fiction and Star Wars more being in fantasy, science fantasy, um, and the, those ideologies kind of clashing. And then you've got all the people who don't know anything about either of them and get them confused, which <laughs> is always a good laugh. Uh, oh, of course. Of course. I love when Anakin piloted the USS Enterprise. Exactly. He was the best captain. That's my favorite part. But when he was announced, uh, it was interesting because you've got this guy that has going that will be taking, you know, these two disparate franchises and doing both of them. And I think we've seen that a couple times, actually, when you have uh, Joss Whedon, who obviously did the Avengers coming in. He kind of, quote unquote, fixed <laughs> the Justice League. I don't think he fixed anything, but nope. <laughs> you've got uh, you've got that a couple times at this point as of recording, but back then, this was the first time that you'd had kind of a really big person take the reins of two similar-ish franchises that had previously been opposites. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he came in, uh, and he took the director's chair, which paved the way for what we know as The Force Awakens. Now, uh, I believe... I probably should have looked this up. I don't think he... I was going to talk about his writing credits on this film, but I actually don't know. So I probably shouldn't talk too much about that. Yeah, you might uh, you might miscredit. Mm. Uh, I, I do know that he had a lot of say on the script. I do not know if he wrote it himself, but we will talk about how that factors into the movie uh, and how that might be good or detrimental. Mm, I'm excited. All right, Jacob, do you want to get into the movie itself? I mean, I, I suppose we could. I mean, that is why we are here today. All right, Jacob. Blast off. Mm. So, obviously, spoilers. I mean, this movie's been out forever. <laughs> but, I just, I mean, 
You're just only so six years mad. late to the party on one of the world's biggest franchises. So spoilers. Um, so I just want to start out with like a little overview, you know, of my, my thoughts before we like dive super deep in, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, this movie conflicts me, right? Uh, the, there's certain parts that I really, really like. And then there's certain parts that I really, really don't like. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the film, I can't decide if I enjoyed the film or if I did not enjoy the film. Mm. Right? Okay. Um, and I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll jump into specific parts, but as an overall, you know, feeling, kind of like I just said, what, what's your feelings on it? So I think the really tough thing with this is kind of what I mentioned earlier. You have completely new leadership. You have, for lack of a better word, ousted the previous person who was in charge of everything. And with that, there is a lot of responsibility, one, to try to get Star Wars right because it's Star Wars and it's a cultural icon, but two, just being the first film out of the gate under new leadership, right? Yes. And so I think that they did their best with what they had. A lot of criticisms of The Force Awakens is that it is not a new film. It's basically a remake of episode four, and Mm -hmm. I don't disagree with that. It kind of is. Uh, in a similar way that episode one is sort of kind of a remake of episode four. But I think they kind of needed that win going into this to make sure that people knew that it was still going to be Star Wars. I mean, there was a lot of things that they did that went back to the originals, like in the way that they made the films using a lot more practical effects than the prequels did to try to win those back that maybe fell off on the prequels. And so overall, I like this movie. I mean, I think, yeah, it probably does have some issues but I think it's exactly what it needed to be at the time. Okay. I, I can see that. And I think, <clears throat> sorry, I think my issue is if I look at this movie as a continuation of the Star Wars universe that we've already had, you know, after the first six episodes, viewing this as number seven, I don't like it as much as if I were to view it as its own thing. And I think you kind of have to, right? I mean, it is part of the entire series, but it is very much a, a standalone thing. I mean, you had the original series, then you had the prequels. The prequels kind of stand alone. They are much more linked into the originals than the sequel trilogy. But going forward, since you took most of those legacy characters and they're either gone or you're integrating them sparingly, it does feel like a new thing. So I could see where you would feel that. But I think that's also part of the intent because, I mean, we've already seen it with Carrie Fisher. These original actors and actresses aren't going to be around for a long time. You have to pass the torch off to someone else so that it can continue when they're gone. And I think that's a big goal of the sequel trilogy. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like my my biggest complaint with this movie is kind of something you've already touched on is how it's how it can be considered a remake, you know, uh, of the same movie, episode four. And I don't know. I'm just... We, we've seen this in, like, three Star Wars movies, right? There's, there's this giant device, you know, whether it be a planet or its own thing that is capable of destroying, you know, planets or large ships or solar systems or whatever it, whatever it be. It's based on the same thing and always there's something super small on this thing that you have to hit in order to blow it up. And... I think that's the thing that just kind of hits me. I literally just finished watching it before we started recording. And this is this is only the second time I've seen it. So 
watching it, it just it doesn't grab me the amount that I want to be grabbed because I feel like I've already seen a lot of this before. And I have. You know, just like you said, we've seen this two other times. And yes, th- this is something that kind of bothers me with Marvel too, is they took something that they knew worked, right? They, they knew that audiences liked that with the Death Star. And so they thought, okay, how can we incorporate this into the new movie? And like you said, show them that this is still Star Wars. And they did that. So yes, it does show that it's still Star Wars. And it does show that it has a little bit different feel, but around the same. But at the same time, it's essentially the same story with new characters, you know, maybe like a surprise death. And I mean, that's it. Yeah, and and you're right. And I, I can't counter that by saying it's not because it 100% is uh i i think that if you look at the expanded universe there is a history of the empire which i know they're not the empire at this point but the empire trying to make super weapons so in that regard it makes sense although they did dump the expanded universe so you you're not beholden to that anymore i think this film though what it's trying to do aside from remind you of what star wars is and give you that feeling and let you buy back into that world is it hinges a lot on your feelings rather than the plot of the film. There's a lot of mystery that it wants you to latch on to. There's a lot of where's the original cast, where are they up to, that it wants you to latch on to. There's a lot of those sorts of things that I feel like it it it's trying to do. And, you know, in a lot of ways, this is very similar to video games. Like, say, a FIFA or a Madden. It comes out every year. It's the same game. Like, there's barely any differences year to year between what those games are. But people like those games. They know what to expect from those games, and they're ready for those games. I think that this film, in a lot of ways, is kind of like that. It's not anything new, for the most part. And, you know, you didn't know that going in. Going back to it, of course, we know that. And it's something that could be a good thing, because, look, it's Star Wars. This is what we know and love. But at the same time, you could take it as a detriment. Oh, this isn't anything new. What I will say about the anything new argument, though, and... This is going to be a polarizing point. When we do get something new, say, Solo, or, I don't know, The Last Jedi, people, the fans at least, tend to not like it. Yeah, I could see, I, here's the issue, is, I think the fan base is kind of divided. You know, you have those that really like the you know, what's, what's been done so far, you know, and they like that and they want, they want to continue that. And I think almost everybody likes what's done before, what's done before, but some people want to like continue that same storyline. Cause I, I've heard friends say, Oh, I love how it's almost the exact same, but with new characters. Like, I love that. It works so well, but I've also had friends that say, yes, I, I like that. I like that. I can feel the Star Wars, but I want something new. But like you said, those other people that I just mentioned, they don't like the new things. Anytime there's a change and, you know, the Star Wars franchise tries to swing a different way, kind of like how they were doing their, um, they were still canon movies, but they weren't part of the trilogy. They were going to do them every other year, but then they started coming under fire after Solo and they decided not to do that. It's, it's something that's hard to decide what to do. You know, do you go back to your original algorithm that really, really works or do you incorporate some new stuff? And I think this movie does do, I, I don't like some parts, but I do like the fact that even though they incorporated an older story, they also brought in like a new breath to it. You know, there's lots of things in this movie that we did not see 
um, in episode one through six at all. For example, we see new force powers here, mm-hmm. right? Ky- Kylo Ren can kind of read minds, and Kylo Ren can freeze materials. You know, he can freeze people, and he can freeze uh, bolts from uh, weapons, you know, lasers. And that's something we haven't seen before in Star Wars, so that's really cool. And then, like you said, this story kind of hinges more on... This movie hinges more on story rather than action i think you know there are a lot of action but interwoven throughout the action there are a lot of story pieces and like you said there's mystery there's maybe subtle romance there's you know there's heartfelt scenes scenes that maybe should be more heartfelt but there's (laughs) there's heartfelt scenes and so like i said if i look at this at a standalone movie i do like it it's it's not a bad movie at all i just wasn't expecting what it was going to be when it originally came out. All right. So let's dive into the characters for a second. We've got basically four new characters, four new main characters here. We've got Ray, Finn, Poe, and then obviously Kylo Ren with a few other supporting new characters like um, Captain Phasma, Captain Phasma. You've got Snoke, which doesn't really play a big role in this film. A couple others like that. How do you feel about those core four characters. Okay, I like that they're introducing a uh, female lead into the Star Wars universe. I feel like that was kind of needed. Um, I like I like Ray's character. I think I like what she started as. I like her character development in this movie. Now, looking at Poe, Poe doesn't Poe's the one that changes the least. I feel like in this movie, um, he's pretty consistent. He's just you know known as the best fighter pilot, and he's most of the scenes he's in are just action sequences for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, now, Finn, I feel like changes the most. And I I think I like Finn's character. I think <laughs> I, uh, I, I go back and forth on him because, okay, okay. So I have to dive into a little bit of the movie to discuss this. Right? I mean, we're in the movie, so go for it. You're right. So obviously in this movie, they're no longer using clones anymore. They're using real people that they have trained since birth. To be stormtroopers now. I do I want to point out that they were no longer they were no longer using clones at the time of Episode Four either. True, true. Um, so yeah, yeah. So, so these these are individuals that are being trained as they grow up, and we've never seen this before. But a stormtrooper, you know, makes up his own mind to turn good because I think what happens is at the beginning he sees his friend die. Or I don't know if it's his friend, but he sees another fellow stormtrooper die, and somehow that hits him. And then when they have to execute the townspeople, mm-hmm. you know, he's just not about that. So I, I like I like that he used his own mind to change. However, I'm curious why he's he's the only one. I wish there was something more. I wish they would have died, dove into you know who was that that died maybe or something like that because. To me, it doesn't make sense that he's the only one out of thousands of stormtroopers that have turned good. Because if he had the same level of training that the other ones did, which he did, and this was the only time he kind of disobeyed, which it was, then why aren't other stormtroopers doing the same thing? Well, what's interesting is that there is a line in here where they say, send him to reconditioning, which seems to imply that he's not the only one. You wouldn't True. have a reconditioning program if only one person's ever done this. True. I, I didn't consider that. So that makes sense. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, I like his energy in this film and I like his, I like his personality. You know, halfway through the film, he still doesn't know what he wants. You know, it, it seems like he's kind of riding the line. He wants to help the resistance in a way, but at the same time, he also just wants to get away. You know, he doesn't want to be affiliated with the First Order or the resistance. He just wants to live his life. And throughout the movie, at the end, you see him, he's like, no, you know, the resistance is where I need to be. And so I like that character development in him. Now, looking at Kylo Ren, I love Kylo Ren's character in this, actually. Um, one of the biggest things that I really like is that he's a um, strong, evil lead. And you see weakness in him. I like that. I like how you can see a villain mm -hmm. and you can see weakness in the villain. However, they're still strong. Yeah, I, and, I want to talk about that for a second, actually. Okay. Because when this movie, before it came out, Kylo Ren, like everybody was in love with Kylo Ren. Like, oh man, look at that outfit. It's awesome. I, as you know, I made my own costume mm -hmm. uh, for Kylo Ren for that year for Halloween because it's a fantastic design. And I remember my boss at one point saying, you know, what are you going to do if the movie comes out and he just kind of sucks? And it's funny he said that because in a lot of ways, that's what actually happened. A lot of people did not like his character because they felt like he was a big baby and he had those flaws like you're talking about. But see, I, I know that some people didn't like it. I like it because it feels, it feels more natural, you know, Everybody, it doesn't matter if you're good or bad, you know, you're going to have a weakness somewhere. Nobody's invulnerable to anything. Even Superman has his weakness of kryptonite and he cares for Lois. So you see that you have these strong people throughout the Star Wars universe, but you never really see a, a weakness like this before in episodes one through six, mm -hmm. I feel like. You might have seen brief glimpses, but nothing like this. And... You really, really feel it in the scene with him and Han. Now, I wish that scene um, would have portrayed more feeling than it does. I I wish it would have tugged at my heartstrings a bit more than it did. Because Han being such a big character for so long, I wanted him to have this, you know, big exit. You know, I'm, I'm okay with Kylo killing him. I'm, I'm okay with how it went down. I just feel like it could have been done a bit differently and affected a lot more audience members than it did oh yeah i definitely agree i think that his death scene i think the setup and the execution of it all makes sense logically they just they're, they're missing something they're missing the epic moment because that happened and like i had no feeling and i know my boss said the same thing and you know he's a big star wars fan uh and he he said that he should have felt something in that moment like that star wars is his life and he didn't feel anything and that's a problem i i think they didn't dwell on that death long enough I think that mm -hmm. probably is the biggest mistake of this film, if I had to pick one, is how, not unceremoniously, but how his death didn't have weight to it, really, and it wasn't revisited. But for Kylo Ren himself, I actually really like Kylo Ren as well. I think that he's not meant to be a big Darth Vader character. He's meant to be, yeah, the villain, but he's not meant to be Darth Vader. And I think a lot of people were upset that he wasn't Darth Vader when they saw like his rage and his kind of tantrums. But that's part of his character. He's supposed to be a child, basically a man child who has not grown up, who has kind of been given the stuff that he wants. He doesn't really have to fight for it all that much. And he's got those tantrums. And I think that really sets him apart in a lot of ways. It makes him more interesting than just a villain, a faceless villain like Darth Vader could be. 
Exactly, and spoilers for the next. What's I always forget? What's the Star Wars movie after Force Awakens? The Last Jedi. I just told you that. I know. I literally keep forgetting. So, The Last Jedi. Um, spoilers for that as well. So I really like also so seeing this movie and seeing how Kylo reacts and stuff. And then going and seeing The Last Jedi and kind of seeing some of his background, how he was being trained by Luke, but then he got taken, you know, to the dark side. I like that because this makes sense to me why he doesn't have his feelings quite under control. You know, he's kind of like Mace Windu in the fact that um, Mace Windu utilizes uh, the good force and the bad force. You know, he he utilizes both and that's represented in his purple lightsaber, actually. So I like that because... It shows why he's having these tempo tantrums. You know, he hasn't been training to be a Sith for that long, actually. Or not a Sith. He's not a Sith. He is not a Sith. He has not been training on the dark side of the Force for that long. And he didn't train on, you know, the good side of the Force for that long. And he has some of them both. So it's like he really rides the line in between the two. And ultimately what it comes down to is he wants what's best for him. You know, mm-hmm. he's kind of like Finn in that aspect. And that's how they're similar up until the end of the movie. And I really like that because we saw in episode four through six, you know, Darth Vader did everything for the Emperor. You know, Darth Vader didn't care about what he wanted until episode six, right? And so I like how we're kind of already starting out and Kylo Ren kind of has that self-desire, that narcissism. Um, because that lends to his evil side, but at the same time, there's certain times when he's like, this may not be the right thing. For example, when he kills his father, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I kind of like that back and forth that Kylo has going. Yeah, he's not fully evil yet. He's still in that transition phase. He's sort of like a teenager who's just finding their way in life and is not sure where they want to go. Uh, of course, he's a little bit older than that, but that's that's the sense I get from him. Mm-hmm. What was and, that? Oh, that was my echo letting me know that there was a delivery. Um, okay, <laughs> Caleb, talk for one second. I'm going to mute my mic and tell it to shut up or else it'll keep beeping. All right, cool. So um, moving on, I think that one one thing that's interesting about this movie is that it is a much funnier Star Wars movie than we are used to. A lot of that comes from Finn and it comes from Poe. And that, like, at the beginning, you've got Poe, and he's like, who talks first? Do I talk first? Do you talk first? And that's something we really haven't seen very much in episodes one through six. And some people didn't like that. I personally thought that that was a good update. I mean, uh, it's nice to be able to have the room to do some more of those comedy bits that we haven't been able to do in the past. And I I think that works here overall. Yeah, and it doesn't. it's not enough to make the movie feel like a comedy but it's just enough to kind of ease some of the tension. You know, if you see action throughout the entire movie, you you need a break. And this, like I said, this movie doesn't hinge as much on action as some of the others do. However, the comedic relief is really nice. And at least in this movie, I I feel like they didn't ruin, the only exception, they didn't ruin an important scene with comedy. The only exception is, I wish Poe wouldn't have made that joke at the very beginning with Kylo Ren. You know, that, that scene was kind of tense, um, and, and I wish he wouldn't have done that. Now, later on, whenever it's Finn and Han Solo and Chewie, and they're about to go into Starkiller base, and Finn's like, we'll just use the Force. And Han's like, that's not how the Force works. <laughs> you know, like, that's funny. I like that because it's not in a tense situation. It's just kind of freely out there, and it's a nice laugh. Um, and most of them are like that in this movie, again, with the exception at the very beginning, 
with Poe and Kylo Ren. See, I kind of like that at the beginning because it sets you up for what the film is going to be. It helps set the tone. It lets you know how this movie is going to feel. And without that, maybe some of the other jokes would be a little bit more jarring. Okay. All right. I, I mean, I could I could see that. I, I kind of vibe the line. Like I said, I vibe the line on this movie. I dislike that it kind of ruined the tension. But I also like it because it kind of shows how strong Poe is in a way. I mean, he's looking at one of the leaders of the First Order, and he's making a joke in his face. You know, that kind of shows how strong Poe is. Lots of people would just give him whatever information he needed and hope he wouldn't kill them, which, of course, you know, he would have because he's Kylo Ren. Right. But I, I, I do like that it shows Poe's pretty strong. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, I said that the biggest failing of this movie is the death of Han and how that's handled. But I think there's a bigger failing of the new trilogy, which is what seems to be a lack of direction in how they're going to make the trilogy, like a plan for the trilogy. Because yes. uh, we, we've got this movie. Of course, we have The Last Jedi, which is drastically different. And then we were going to have a different director again for episode nine, but Disney fired him and brought back J.J. Abrams to finish it. And so I want to talk about that for a second. Because it really plays a big role in this film. As I mentioned earlier, J.J. Abrams had a lot of leeway in how he wanted to tell this story. Maybe all of it. I'm not exactly sure. But one of the things that's pretty well known about J.J. Abrams at this point is the mystery box. J.J. likes to use this thing called the mystery box wherein he introduces a mystery. And he builds it up and builds it up and builds it up. But... He doesn't know what's inside the box. He doesn't know what the resolution to that mystery is going to be, which can create problems when you build up the mystery so much and you can't come up with a satisfying answer. This was an issue in Lost, his TV show that went on for years. This was an issue slash is an issue in this new trilogy with specifically Ray's parentage. Who are they? Where does she come from? Because it's pretty clear based on this, that they were meant to be someone. Maybe he knew, maybe he didn't. And then in um, The Last Jedi, of course, Ryan Johnson tried to tell us that they were nobodies, which personally, I never bought that as the actual answer. I bought it more as an insult. Me too. Saying, like, you know, your, your parents aren't anybody. Uh, but the overwhelming majority seemed to believe that, no, he was trying to actually tell her that they weren't anybody. Um, and so I, I think that that's a problem. We also have that same issue with Snoke. Who is he? Where does he come from? Which was, again, kind of thrown away in The Last Jedi because they had no plan. Because J.J. Abrams builds up this mystery box and doesn't know what's in it. Now, I think, I kind of use it, I think there's ups and downs to that. The downside being, if you can't come up with a rightful resolution, you know, something that really impacts audiences, audience members are going to be mad. I mean, let's just face it. They're going to be mad. You don't build up something big and then have it turn out to be absolutely nothing. Um, now, the good part with that is, is that you can go ahead and start building it up from the first movie and have more time to build it up. Whereas if you didn't, you were going to have to think of that idea of that resolution way, way earlier. You know, and so I like it because you can build it up a bit longer, but you got to be careful because, like you said, if you can't come up with that resolution, then what's the point of building up something if there's not a big reveal at the end? Exactly. And 
part of the issue, and, and it's, it's both an issue and a benefit, is not only that they didn't have an overarching plan, but that they let their directors choose so much of what the film is going to be. I am very much a proponent of letting the director be the director and letting them choose the path. But if you're going to have three different directors come in for one installment in a trilogy that's supposed to have an overarching story, you've got to do at least a little bit of a better job establishing what things can and can't be done. Because otherwise, you end up with this really weird mess that we're in right now where, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but The Last Jedi, in a lot of ways, felt like the conclusion of the trilogy, but it's only the second movie. Yep. And what do you do with that? And I I think with J.J. Abrams taking the helm of Episode Nine, I think we're going to see a lot of those things that were discarded in Episode Eight come back and actually be something real. Okay. Now, let's let's talk about... Let's move on from the directing and talk about the cinematography a little bit, right? So this is something that I feel like is also um, kind of an issue with this movie is where are the epic lightsaber fights? You know, where are the, the flips and the force jumps and the force pushes and pulls and lightsaber throwing? And where are the big extravagant just lightsaber battles that we saw in episode four through six? And some in one through three too. I mean, they're just they're just non-existent no, in this no, no, movie. No, 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 no. I am I am majorly going to disagree with you on this. Uh, actually, on two counts. One, that's not the cinematography. That's something different. Oh wait, I did say cinematography. You, you said cinematography. I'm think thinking. You mean action? Yeah, I was gonna touch on the cinematography. Choreography, but then I started on maybe? that. Choreography. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. I, yeah, I'm going to massively, massively, massively disagree with you on this. Okay. Um. Have you seen the originals in a while? Uh, yeah, like four through six. Yeah, yeah. Because the fights in those movies are not extravagant. They are very, very simple. Two people standing there, two hands on their lightsabers, swinging them around. That's it. The flips and the force jumps and the pushes, all of that stuff was not a thing until the prequels. And all of that style of fighting is contained to the prequels and the Clone Wars TV series and things like that. The prequel era. Anything that is in the original trilogy era is not like that. It's all very stiff. It's all very, almost like fencing in some ways. It's not extravagant. And here, they kind of continue that. And what they actually purposely kind of tried to do is make it even less um, finessed, I guess you could say. Because like Rey, she has no training. What's she going to do? She's just going to swing it around. Uh, Kylo Ren, on the other hand, does have some training. Uh, and in fact, that was a big complaint of a lot of people was how does she beat him? Because he has more training under Luke. Uh, but really, neither of them are trained all that much in combat. So they're just basically kind of swinging it around, trying to hit the other person the same way anyone off the road would do if you tried to hand them a lightsaber. I don't know. I just, I, I know you're right. I know that the false jump and everything was more in one through three. The, the big lightsaber fight that I always think of in 4 through 6, obviously, is the one with Darth Maul. And maybe it's just... Maybe Wait. I'm just from... That's episode 1, Jacob. I mean... Wait. That's not... Wait. Oh, no. I brought someone that doesn't know Star Wars no. on the podcast to talk about Star Wars. No, 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 no. Oh, you're right. That's embarrassing. That just feels so... Different. <laughs> <laughs> one feels so different from two and three. I mean, 
Not really. Anyways, anyways. Let's just act like that never happened. <laughs> anyways, anyways. I, I guess, I guess, I guess you're right. You're right. So one to three had more extravagant, you know, extra lightsaber scenes. And it has been a while since I've seen four through six. And the more, the more I think about it, I mean, I guess you're right. But I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't, li- I don't like that. I don't like the fact that, because force, force users are supposed to be, you know, like some of the strongest people in the galaxy. Right? Disagree. No, I Disag- totally disagree. don't disagree. No, you are referring to the Jedi. Force users are a different thing from the Jedi. Uh, okay. Maz Kanata uses the force. Okay. You know, I'll concede. I'll concede, because that, that's fair. That's fair. But either way, I just, I feel like with the with way I see it, you know, way I see how she has absolutely no training at all. Kylo, at least, I feel like he should be a bit more proficient with his lightsaber. That I agree and, with. And I see, I people people complain, like you said, that, you know, Kylo beat Ray, But you have to take a lot of things into consideration. Ray beat Kylo. I, sorry, thank you. Uh, you have to take a lot of things into consideration. Yes, Kylo has training, but again, he doesn't have control over his feelings, and we've seen that throughout the movie. And we saw that through the prequels, if you don't have control over your feelings, it's harder to fight. Uh, also, this man just killed his father. Like, that's a lot going on. Yep. And then he got shot in the side. Yep. So, this man is injured. Uh, he has a lot of emotions flowing through him, you know, some sadness, some anger. And also, he wasn't expecting Ray to get that lightsaber. You know, you have that scene where he reaches out for it and tries to pull it towards him, and then it goes to Ray. He's probably a bit surprised, too. So, you have to think there's all these factors, and it's not like she, it's not like she killed him. I mean, she probably could have if she would have walked over there and just, you know, while he was down. But there's more in play than just the fact that he's had more training. Yeah, definitely. And I, I agree with that. I, th- I think you can argue either way on it. Uh, but I think they put in enough stuff that makes sense that she would be able to overpower him. Now, I will say, going back to like the false jump and stuff like that, I I want to see some more of that stuff. I feel like in this movie, they rely a lot more on the new false tricks that they've kind of introduced, you know, with Kylo freezing things. He uses that a lot in the mind reading. I wish they'd go back a little bit and use... I, I don't want necessarily, you know, episode three, where they're force jumping all over the place like frogs. I don't necessarily want that. But I, by this point, you know, whenever they, Kylo and Rey both have, um, you know, become more proficient in the force and have battled several times, I would like to see a bit more movement and a little bit less stiffness. Um, now, I don't want to see leapfrog, but I don't want to see fencing. You know, I want a nice, like, in the middle and that way, the force jump is just something so cool to me in the force pull and force push. I feel like this uh, trilogy utilizes the force more than lightsaber battles. And I feel like if you incorporated those, it would just add to the movie, depending how they did it, of course. But I don't know, that's, that's just a me thing. Yeah, I mean, I think you could definitely bring in some more force powers and use in combat. But in terms of, like, their finessing combat, there's no one around to really train them, either of them. I mean, they're, they're both kind of making it up as they go. 
So they're never going to reach the level of the Jedi at their prime. That's kind of the point. Yeah, no, and and I completely get that. I don't, like I said, I don't necessarily want to see, you know, a Jedi Master again, you know, wielding a lightsaber like that. But I, I do I do like the use of different force powers and not relying on just one or two only. Hmm. Now, one thing about that end scene where she does get the lightsaber is in the marketing materials, they kind of hid this from us. They wanted us to believe that Finn was going to be the lightsaber-wielding hero in this trilogy because in all the trailers, they showed the the clip where he gets the lightsaber. They never had the one where she got it until maybe after the film came out. Uh, But that was a surprise seeing it in the movie versus in the trailers. Now, it's it's kind of hinted though that you know ray is the one you see he'll have visions you see he'll be drawn to the lightsaber and you kind of know you know halfway through the movie that she has false powers you don't know if finn does or doesn't at this point however it's kind of heavily implied uh, and shown not even implied but just plain out showed that ray is the one you know with false capabilities oh definitely once you're watching the movie i mean i think that's more clear but leading up to the film now, something I didn't catch in this movie. So in The Last Jedi, we see that um, Leia actually has false capabilities as well, right? Mm-hmm. Now, that's that's actually kind of shown in this movie too, and I didn't think about it. When Han Solo dies, Leia like senses it because it goes back to the Resistance base and she kind of yep. looks down. Yeah. And I thought about the same exact thing in Episode 3 when all the Jedi are being killed in Odo 66 and Yoda feels it when he's on Kashyyyk. Mm-hmm. Right? So I didn't really realize the first time I saw this that that was probably what was going on. But after seeing The Last Jedi and then seeing this again, that makes so much more sense. Yeah, definitely. I mean, she has some Force abilities. I mean, definitely not as much as like a Luke, but she's able to... She's Force-sensitive, I guess. Yes. And let's see. I, I was going to look... Um, Something that I do like in this... <clears throat> is that uh, Han Solo finally uses Chewie's blaster, which I think is another comedic relief moment. And I never thought about it. He's never actually used his blaster before this point. I mean, I yeah, I, it's really funny and I like it. I find it hard to believe that he's never used it before, but I mean, it's funny. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, yeah. Also, <laughs> um, in this version, it's a little bit different. So I could be wrong, okay? So I'm not stating this as fact. I'm asking. The Starkiller base... They said it uses crystals, right? To harness the sun's energy. Um, I don't remember. Okay. Well, I, I think it does. I don't quote me on that, but I think it does. So in that sense, isn't Stalkiller base just a giant lightsaber? Well, I mean... That's the same thing that the Death Star did. It They were mining kyber crystals to use for that cannon. Was it? I couldn't remember if they were using the same crystals or not. Yeah, they are. <laughs> okay, well then, never mind. Just throw that point out. Um, what do you think about the new redesigned Stormtrooper? I think they look great. I think they look really sleek while paying homage to the previous two versions. I think that we're getting a bit out of hand at this point with how many different types of troopers we have. Yeah. But... Uh, I think they look cool. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, that's pretty much all I got on uh, The Force Awakens. I, I think it's good. I, th- I think it's solid, definitely rewatchable, and gives me um, gives me good feelings. 
yeah, I'm I'm excited to watch The Last Jedi, you know, and kind of compare. It's been a while since I've seen them, and I've never seen The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi pretty close together. Um, so I'm excited to do that, and then I'm excited for the new movie. You know, some some of the trailers have been very interesting, so I'm excited to see what happens. Definitely. But that was that, and this is this. It's time for What You Been Up To. So, Jake, mm. what have you been up to? Nice. I mean, other than training in the evil side of the force, uh, I have been studying for some finals. Right? Boring. I had some CCs with you. It's delicious. Uh, uh, very delicious. Um, let's see. What have I been doing? Oh, we played a new um, game the other day. Uh, Relative Insanity, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Really good game. Very PG-13. Very good game. Yeah, it's a board game. It's like a family card game. It's like it's kind of like... It, it's a cleaner version of Cards Against Humanity and a slightly dirtier version of Apples to Apples. Yeah, it's like in the middle. Yeah. Um, but it, it was it was a lot of fun. So, yeah, I mean, that's... Yep, that's about it. Oh, and we saw Frozen 2. We did see Frozen 2 together. Yes. Because that's because what we do in our free time. That's what men do. <laughs> no, it was actually, it was, it was really, really good. Yeah, it was, the animation was fantastic. The story was really good. Um, in fact, me and Caleb and his wife, Courtney, were talking about it. We, we all agree that this is one of the few movies where the sequel is actually better than the original. Yeah, a lot better, I think. Yeah, so go see it. The animation's stupendous. The story's great. Um, yeah. So that's what I've been up to. Caleb, what you been up to? Pretty much just that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, d- I do want to touch back on The Mandalorian for just a second. Oh, yes. So at time of recording, there are four episodes out. Um, by the time this drops, there will be five available. So we'll see. But we were talking about The Mandalorian uh, the other day, and we actually watched episode four together. And I've come to a realization. I really enjoyed the first episode. I liked the second episode, even though it didn't really further the story. And I, I liked most of episode three. But I've felt this trend that my enjoyment of the series is kind of waning a bit. Dwindling? Yes, dwindling. Your been... reinforcements are dwindling. Star Wars Battlefront 2, continue. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been trying to figure out why that is. And I think episode four made me realize why. And I kind of mentioned this to you. Based on episodes one through three, but really one and three, um, you, you got the sense that this was going to be a mini-series focusing on one story. Very much like, um, uh, wow, I just forgot the name of the show I was going to reference. Uh, six, That's unfortunate. 20, 20, 11, 22, 63, which was a Hulu show, um, or any of, say, the Marvel Netflix shows, where like there's one story that takes you through the entire season. I thought that's how this show was going to go. And based on what I've seen... That is no longer the case. That is not what they're doing. What they're actually doing is a show that follows this guy on whatever he's going to do. And some episodes have to do with the story and some don't. So episode four has basically nothing to do with the story. Episode two, basically nothing to do with the story. At the time, it felt like episode two was part of the story. Even though I knew that it doesn't really do much to further it. But... Based on episode four, that's not the case. And it almost seems like they're going to do uh, every other. Like, this one is main story. This one is yep. side story. That's this one I is thought. main story. This one is side story. And 
I don't like that. <laughs> That's not what I want. That's not what they sold me that this was going to be. It's not that I dislike what we're getting necessarily. It's just not, it's, it's, it's not what they sold me as it being. If they would have said, oh, and, and part of the issue too is we're only getting eight episodes of this. Mm-hmm. Like, I would get it if it were a 20 episode season. Of course, you're going to have some episodes that don't really further the story very much. But in eight episode season, why are you doing this? Like, you can still have some things that fill out the world, but you kind of need to stick to the story. Because literally, the beginning of episode four versus the end of episode four, nothing is different. We don't the learn. Only th- the only thing is different is we know they can't stay on that planet, which they could have described a lot quicker. No, you don't you don't need that. From a story perspective, their circumstances in point A is they need at the beginning of the episode is they need to find a planet to stay on. Their circumstances at the end of episode four, point B, is that they need to find a planet to stay on. Nothing is now different. something Oh yeah, also spoiler for episode four, obviously. Um I mean that's not really spoiling anything yet, but I was I was gonna say something that would spoil it. Oh. Is that is that okay? Yeah. I thought you just fell out of your chair. Nope. What's going on? Oh, my phone is ringing. Go ahead, Jay. Oh, how dare you? Okay. So something that would have been nice to include in this episode that would have made it worthwhile for the entire episode is if the female lead in this episode joined the Mandalorian's team afterwards. You know, like if if she would have gone on the ship with him okay, and left. Man. Okay. Hey, if she would have gone on the ship with him and came back so she would have joined them, that would have made the whole episode worthwhile and added to the story. Yeah, I agree. And I thought that's what the series was going to be based on a lot of the trailers, was that it was going to be him going around building a crew. I thought it was going to include IG-11. I thought it was going to include her, maybe some other people. Uh, and that's not the case, which is fine. But I don't understand why we're getting these side filler episodes in a series that's only eight episodes long. I agree. Now, let me reiterate one of Caleb's points. Just because it's the filler episode, the episode itself is not necessarily bad. But in conclusion, or in retrospect to the story as a whole, it is not great. Yeah, and I, I will say, episode four specifically feels off. Like, it does not feel like the other three episodes we've gotten. I can't put my finger on it. I don't know why. I can't explain it. But it doesn't really feel like it fits with what we've gotten. Yeah, I could see that. I, I just want to see where it's going to go. You know, I'm, I'm really confused where it's trying to go right now. You know, I, I read this article and it's really funny. And it said, The Mandalorian is basically the movie Big Daddy, but in space. And <laughs> that's kind of true. Like, I mean, honestly, the a lot of the plot points are really the same. You just add blasters and add space and add armor and make it an alien. And I mean, you basically got Big Daddy. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I like the show, and I really want to like it more. But if they continue this trend, I don't know how I'm going to feel about it. Yeah, I, I like I like the whole Baby Yoda aspect. I, I hope that if it's renewed for a second season, which I'm pretty sure it will be. No, it's already shooting season two. Well, then there you go. Um, I, I kind of hope that Baby Yoda is not in the second season. I kind of hope that's just a fourth season kind of thing. And then he gets rid of him and there's a different, you know, there's a different plot to season two. Yeah, that's my fear. My fear is that, you know, again, going into this thinking it was one story, I was thinking stuff introduced, we'll get a resolution to all the mystery and all the plot points here. 
in the first season, and then we'll go to season two, and maybe some stuff will carry over, but, you know, kind of mostly new stuff. But my fear is now that this is going to be more like a sitcom, where Baby is around for the entire series, and we only find out the answers on the very last episode of the series. I I hope not. I really hope not. Yeah. But anyway, that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, I feel that. But uh, I think that about does that for this week, Jacob. Yes, so Caleb. All right, we do want to say thank you to Taylor Poole for doing our opening and outro music. You can find him at taylorpoolmusic.com. That's T-A-Y-L-O-R-P-O-O-L-E music.com. And while you guys are at it, go ahead and head on over to CNC Power Hour on Twitch and watch them. They stream Magic Gathering and a couple of other things during the week, so you guys should go ahead and go check them out. Also, please check out our website, cuzwernerds.com, where you can find all of the episodes that we offer, and it's the best way to share it with your friends. Thanks for listening to Cuz We're Nerds. Stay up to date with all the nerdy news and podcast drops by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also leave us comments and feedback at cuzwernerds at gmail.com. That's C-U-Z-W-E-R-E-N-E-R-D-S at gmail.com. And as always, if you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes. We'll see you next week. And as always, stay nerdy. Silence. I get you! Oh my god. Okay, Caleb, here. <clears throat> this is what we're gonna do. Alright, I want you to give me your best impersonation of your stormtrooper and you get blasted. Go. <laughs> oh, solid. Solid. Okay, here's my interpretation, okay? I'm a stormtrooper. I just got shot in the right shoulder. Okay? Okay? They say, they say they say my leg after they get shot in the shoulder and it doesn't make sense. I don't know, maybe it's the blood flow is just pulling from their leg. It's very random. Very nice. Thank you. <laughs>